Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The FT. Is it time to switch out of bond funds? What should you do if you come into a large amount of cash? And can Anthony Jenkins put some zip into Barclays shares? All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Jonathan Ely, editor of FT Money, and as ever I'll be giving you all the money news this week in downloadable form. With the help of my FT Money colleagues Tanya Poli and Elaine Moore, plus our special guest Patrick Jenkins. So let's start with the money news. New figures out this week from the Investment Management Association showed that for the 11th consecutive month, bond funds were the top of the pops with ordinary investors. Since the start of this year, you've ploughed over £2 billion into these types of funds, which are typically considered less risky than equity-based funds and can generate solid income. But is it wise to be where the crowd is? Some advisors think not and are suggesting that it may be time to move your money somewhere else. Tanya, you've spoken to several advisors this week. What's the verdict? I think a lot of people, a lot of the advisors I've been speaking to have been basically urging caution. Obviously, like you said, we've seen fixed income funds being popular for sort of many, many months now. Um, particularly corporate bonds over the last um, eight months have been particularly popular. We've actually seen them be the best selling sector of all funds in the seven out of the past eight months. So that's actually quite quite a lot of months out there that people, that investors have continually kept on favouring this sector and plowing more and more money into it. So a few of the advisors I've been speaking to have just basically been urging caution in the sense of yields were higher. I mean, this is obviously the main reason why investors have been looking to corporate bond funds, because they've been offering quite attractive yields compared to obviously what we're seeing for savings rates at the moment and other areas of investments. Um, but at the moment, actually, because um, certain parts of the bond market, are, their sort of valuations are becoming a bit stretched. This has obviously seen um, bond yields fall. And as a result, people aren't getting as great returns as they once were. Um, a lot of them are saying actually um, some of the best um, investment grade corporate bond funds now actually only sort of yielding about 4%. So actually, um, it's not as great as maybe it was last year and the year before that. Other areas that they're sort of worried about, you know, we could have this next kind of stage of the, of the banking crisis. We still don't know what's to come. And some of the corporate bond funds have actually quite a big exposure to banks. Um, so that's another area that people actually need to need to watch out for. OK. And which are the um, which are the alternatives if you're looking for um, for reliable income without taking on too much risk? What, what are the viable alternatives to corporate bond funds in particular? 
this is the area where really corporate bond funds are sort of relatively low risk compared to other areas. I mean, if you if you kind of want to protect yourself from maybe from rising inflation, a lot of the advisors I've been speaking to this week have said actually maybe look at equity income funds. Now they're actually de- typically deemed higher risk because obviously they're sort of buying into um, sort of stocks. But actually, they're more likely to protect you against rising inflation, which obviously with um, more QE on the cars for later this autumn is obviously a concern of a lot of people. So by buying into an equity income fund, you're sort of seeing that dividend growth. You're more likely to actually sort of see a longer term return on your money um, than maybe a corporate bond fund will offer you. Other areas you could look at if you still want to kind of be relatively sort of low risk um, strategic bond funds um, mentioned by advisors. This basically, I mean, they have a bit of a wider remit in terms of which um, sort of where they can invest. So they have a bit more flexibility. So a lot of advisors say they might be a better play than actually corporate bond funds, which tend to have quite a small um, universe spectrum of where they can actually invest. Thanks, Tanya. And if you're wondering which equity income funds and which strategic bond funds are best, well, why not check out Tanya's full article in Saturday's FT Weekend or online at www.ft.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, what does the appointment of Anthony Jenkins as Barclays CEO mean for long-suffering shareholders? But first, let's turn to a question that we're asked with surprising frequency here at FT Money. What to do with a large chunk of cash? You may have taken it as tax-free cash from your pension pot. You may have sold a house or a business. Perhaps you inherited money or received a large sum as a redundancy payment. Whichever way, finding yourself with a large amount of money on your hands can be surprisingly stressful especially given all the talk about feeble interest rates and rising inflation. How do you make sure your newfound wealth won't be eroded? And even more important, how can you make sure it's safe? Elaine Moore has some of the answers. Elaine, first of all, with um, cash sums, there's always a trade-off between the length of time you're prepared to lock it away for and the amount of interest you're likely to receive. What's what's that trade-off looking like at the moment? Well, the trade-off is actually not that bad at the moment. So in the past, we've seen the that if you lock away your money for five years, you'll get a much better rate than if you were to lock it away for one year or if you're going to put it into an easy access rate account. But what's been happening recently is that banks are fighting quite fiercely for our cash because they, they want to put it on their balance sheets. What that means is that they're trying to attract new customers. And the way that they're doing that is they're offering short-term bonuses on easy access accounts. The bonuses are enormous compared to what the rate then turns into after, say, year. So for example, you have the AA is offering 3.07%. That's an easy access account that comes with a one year bonus of 2.1%. So once after a year, once the bonus falls away, you're left with an account that's paying below the odds. But for one year, 3.07% for an easy access cash account when you have base rate at 0.5%. It's pretty good. Okay, so you can get instant access and high interest if you're prepared to be a rate tart. What about uh, compensation levels? If you've got a large um, sum of cash, you might find yourself above the the limit for financial services compensation scheme payments. So all of the advisors that I've been speaking to this week have all brought up this whole idea of the FSCS compensation limit. So that's £85,000 per institution that's protected if the institution is to fail. And what they've all said is that if you have a very large amount, so you've, you've sold your house or something and you have this large amount of cash that you're going to put on deposit in cash for a little while, then you should be spreading it out between institutions so that you're limiting the risk. The thing that you need to remember is that this £85,000, that's not going to apply to every single account that you open. So there are some European banks that will use their own home deposit scheme, not the UK deposit protection scheme. So there's only a couple now. There's ING Direct 
and there's Triodos, which is an ethical bank, and they both protect up to €100,000 from their bank's home protection scheme. All of the rest are all covered by the UK scheme. Okay. And can you explain the situation where sometimes you have several banks that actually are covered by the same license? It's it's really complicated and I don't think that very many listeners off the top of their heads will be able to name all of the different brands that will come under a particular institution and that's could be quite serious because what happens if you have a number of brands under one name, they will only be protected once. The money will only be protected up to £85,000. So for instance, the AA, which I mentioned before, the brands that are related to that are Bank of Scotland um, and Halifax. They're all part of this HBOS brand, which means if you have lots of different accounts within those different brands, you're not going to be protected for every single account. You're only going to be t- protected up to £85,000. So you have to go onto our website, look up uh, the articles that FT Money has written on this very subject quite a few times and work out and make sure that your accounts are spread across institutions, not just across brands. And what about alternatives to to cash deposits that are are low risk but still offer a chance of uh, matching at least inflation? I don't think I have very good news for you or for any listeners on that subject. Some people I've been speaking to this week have been saying that investors and savers are having to concentrate on the return of their money, not returns on their money because alternatives to cash deposit accounts, if you want the sort of security that you can get from cash, your returns are going to be negligible, especially if you're a higher rate taxpayer. So short dated gilts. If you're a higher rate taxpayer, your returns are going to be negative in real terms. So there are very few alternative options that are attractive. In the past, money market accounts were used for very large sums. But again, because interest rates are so low, the returns are really miserly compared to cash accounts with bonuses. The one area that some people have spoken about, if you are very worried about the protection of your money, is national savings and investments. And we've spoken about NSNI before, and they're very popular. There aren't actually any particularly good um, offers on at the moment from NSNI, but you could put your money into premium bonds. It's 100% protected. It's just that you won't receive any interest on that money. But you might get lucky and win a prize. Thank you very much, Elaine. Now, don't forget, if you want more information about which providers are covered by which licences and which are the best money market funds or other options for your short-term money, do look at Elaine's article in Saturday's Weekend FT or online at www.ft.com money. And finally today, Barclays, one of the UK's most widely held shares, This is a bank that seemed to have avoided the very worst of the financial crisis. Unlike Lloyds and RBS, it didn't need to be nationalised and it was able to continue paying dividends. But just lately, it's really been through the ringer. Rouse about executive pay, the scandal over its traders' attempts to manipulate interbank lending rates, the mis-selling of payment protection insurance and now another investigation into its links with Middle Eastern investors have left the shares reeling. They're almost back down to the levels of last summer. The appointment of a new chief executive today is an attempt to draw a line under those problems. But can Anthony Jenkins, the bank's third chief executive in the past three years, reinvigorate the share price? Here to offer a view is another Jenkins, Patrick Jenkins, the FT's banking editor and no relation to the new chief executive. Patrick, what do you think um, Anthony Jenkins' initial priorities will be when when he takes over as chief executive? Well, as you rightly say, uh, I'm no relation, but fortunately he spared some time to talk to me this morning so I can tell you what he told me, which was that his first priority will be 
sounds rather scripted, to serve clients, society, shareholders and colleagues. I think basically listeners should be encouraged by the fact that he's listing clients as top of his kind of priority list. It's a recognition really that the bank has neglected a lot of those clients, particularly the retail clients, as we've seen with the PPI mis-selling scandal, but as we've seen it also with the whole you know, reputational damage that the Barclays brand has gone through over the past, particularly over the past few months, actually, thanks to nothing to do directly with the retail bank, but certainly uh, customers as well as the bank branch staff have been you know, pretty hurt by those, the fallout from those uh, scandals. He's um, a lot's been made of the fact that he's come from the retail banking side. Um, do you think that makes it more likely that he will dismantle the universal bank, perhaps float or, or sell off the, the investment banking business and go back to what, what some people have termed boring banking? I think certainly he'll have a bias towards retail banking. That's what he knows and that's what he's best at. And certainly, you know, for a variety of reasons, not least uh, regulatory clampdowns on investment banking, that area of the business is going to be a far more difficult one in which to make decent profits going forward. So I think there's no question that the bank will retrench. That said, he did go out of his way to stress when he was talking to me this morning that Barclays is committed to being a universal bank. So I think, you know, the idea of selling off or floating uh, Barclays Capital, as it used to be called, is out of the question. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, what they stop doing. They'll, they'll you know, they'll get out of certain maybe riskier businesses they'll get out of um, certainly areas that are more capital intensive maybe good news for um, some small business customers they'll keep doing the types of investment banking that uh, will be part of the overall corporate banking offering um, so you know you'll be able to get that universal banking offering still but yeah certainly it's it's going to look quite different in three to five years once he's uh, finished his turnaround. Okay, and what about this latest um, serious fraud office um, probe into the into the payments to Middle Eastern investors? If if I'm a, a a small investor holding a few hundred Barclays shares, is that something I should be very worried about? I think as an investor, you know, who knows? It may be. It'll it'll it'll. It's one of those investigations. It actually began a few months ago. We first found out about it um, because the Financial Services Authority, the regulator, was looking at this issue. The Serious Fraud Office obviously thinks there's something actually criminal that's gone on as well. So they're now looking at it. It'll be uh, several months, I'm sure, before we find out if there was any. Uh, rum goings on it was it dates back to you know four years ago when the bank was in quite a lot of trouble needed a lot of money very fast and had to go to the Middle East uh, Qatar and Abu Dhabi in particular to get money uh, injected the accusation is that some that the bank may have paid fees that looked like they were connected to that capital raising you know the supposition is that they may have been inducements but um I think in the end, whether the bank gets fined or has charges brought against it, it's probably going to be relatively small beer for the value of the shares, given everything else that's gone. And just finally, um, many shareholders are probably hanging on, waiting for the for the bank to recover. Do you think there's any prospects in in the in the next two or three years that the, either the share price or the dividends will will return to pre-crisis levels, or is banking really in a whole a whole new phase now? Well, I think there's a lot of different unknowns out there. First of all, you might think that Anthony Jenkins would have been hailed by investors as, you know, a safe pair of hands, but I think, you know, the share price hasn't jumped. It's in fact the first initial response was a slight fall. I think there's there's concern among some big investors that 
this is someone who doesn't know investment banking and therefore is taking on a job uh, as head of a group which is dominated by that area who doesn't necessarily you know have the skills to deal with it time will tell on that so you know that's one unknown the other unknown of course is what happens to the global economy particularly in the UK which is uh you know a, a substantial driver of profits at any bank uh and then obviously whether anthony jenkins himself can m- make the most of what is at at his disposal within barclays one thing he has done uh today is to pull back from the profit targets that his predecessor bob diamond had so whether that makes them more realistic or less ambitious is for shareholders to decide but i think you know any jump in the share price is not going to come in the short term thanks patrick We'll be talking banks again in a couple of weeks as we mark the fifth anniversary of the run on Northern Rock. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember, you can get weekday news updates on our website, www.ft.com money. And you can read comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Elaine and Tanya. And goodbye from Patrick, our special guest. Goodbye. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor. What's a mistake they made that changed their approach? And how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.